So this property is an ex-dairy, so that's why there is so much infrastructure here. Uh, so down here uh, is the old dairy shed where they used to milk. Um, but we go all the way to the Princess Highway over there. You can see our highway sign over there. We come right across here along the Princess Highway, right to the edge of town, over there. This is Tamara and Craig Corby. They're showing me around their property in Cabago in southwestern New South Wales. And just a heads up, in this episode, there will be some conversation about the 2019 bushfires and the impact it had on the Corbys. That's what, eight metres? Like we were here literally stamping fire out. We had buckets of water and trying to stop it, get to the house. We didn't get to prepare that super well. And so our cow herd was out in the paddock. Um, but we did have a handful in the yards, like all our ones that are close. And I remember literally running around once we saw fire and like I was running around on feet, 26 weeks pregnant, bringing them into the yards, you know, trying to keep them close to infrastructure. Hi. I'm Sam Loy and welcome to Propagate. This is the show for young farmers and fishers. This season, we're having a look at how young farmers are throwing away the farming blueprint and finding ways to make their business work. From juggling off farm jobs, trying new ways of selling cattle, to investing in new tech. I'll also take a look at the other side of the business, because no matter how well your livestock or crops are going, if you don't manage the business well, things can go very wrong. The farmers I'll be talking to tell me what resiliency methods they're using to make sure they're prepared for whatever the future brings. Cabago here is our home base, so we have a commercial lease arrangement over this property. Uh, This is where we do all our breeding. This is where we do, you know, produce all our calves. With having an off-farm job also, uh, my role with our business is primarily administrative. Filling the gaps, being a mum is also a really important role and, you know, helping Craig where I can. So my role on the farm is just an all-rounder, I guess. I look after most of the genetic improvement, uh, run all the our AI and ET programs, keep all our genetics on point for what is required for our customers. Uh, I also look after, uh, maintain the cow herd, make sure they're healthy, make sure they're fed. So we're in the seed stock game. So we produce um, beef cattle for our commercial clients generally. Um, We have a bull sale in September every year now. So we do a lot of genetic work, making sure that we keep our cattle relevant to the industry. And so it's it's intensive compared to maybe a commercial operation because there's a lot involved uh, with our seed stock game, trying to keep the genetics on target for what the industry likes. And so the seed stock game is a big genetic game. Everything comes back to genetics really. So cattle don't just improve their meat quality by feeding. Feeding's an element, but it all comes down to genetics. So we're chasing genetics that 
can improve eating quality. They can improve performance so that we're getting more bang for our buck. Craig and Tamara have big long-term plans. And because of that, they've had to learn to be pretty nimble. I think because we're really trying to hustle, trying to yeah. get a buy a farm, we really have to be on it. Like generational farmers that have a comfort of having a land base behind them. Or um, generational wealth. Yeah, probably don't have to hustle as much as we do, but we really have to hustle because trying to buy a farm, especially in the current climate with how expensive farms are, is sometimes it feels like it's still impossible for us. We still don't know how 100% how it's going to be possible for us, but we're pretty motivated and, and really want to get there. So we're just trying to find any opportunity where we can try to gain an inch to be able to get closer to that position. I really like how Craig explained that as hustling, but there is so much to be learnt by being nimble because your operation can be a lot more resilient to things. And, you know, like I look back at some more traditional farmers who are still doing the same thing that their grandparents are doing and, you know, they have might not have gained as much if they were a little bit more um, opportunistic. So I think that's something we'll grasp onto and you know always you know take that forward with our business for many young farmers it's vital to always be ready to grab a new opportunity young people are grabbing opportunities and creating their future and making it their own within the ag space but there are certainly those more traditional generational farmers out there still but you know, maybe it's education as well. Like you, I've been to university and I've got that formal education as well. So um, I've been away and seen other operations, not just beef cattle operations, you know, and there's always things you can take away from those, those visits. And being a part of field days and attending workshops, you know, we always can get something from out of those sessions because if you can't walk away from something and say so you haven't learned something, and sounding like you know everything, then there's something up there. We're always open to learning new things, aren't we, Craig? Yeah. Lifelong learners. <laughs> but it hasn't just been through field days and workshops that Craig and Tamara have had some big lessons. In 2019, when the fires came through the area, they had to learn a lot very quickly. I'm not sure any of our decisions during the bushfires were thought out at all and they were a hundred percent reactive <laughs> because we just were not planned or prepared for a bushfire in any capacity we were certainly aware that there was a bushfire happening but it was a good 60 kilometers away you know from in the national park we're surrounded by mountains here but we're also like 100 meters from the 50 kilometer zone of t- in the township of Cabago. Our property is opposite the Cabago Primary School. So we just never really comprehended a bushfire coming to town, basically. When the bushfire hit, all of our family had left their homes to come and take refuge here at our place, which obviously we don't own. So majority of their houses got burnt. Uh, I think we lost seven or so houses in our family. So they were all taking refuge here. They basically helped save this place. We were, we were all here. There was about, I think, 18 of us 
here in this house for the first few weeks before they started being able to spread out. So we had been 100% wiped out. We The only land that, of our properties that didn't burn was our front yard and backyard. Like we were, were wiped out. And I remember saying at the time to Craig, I was also 28 weeks pregnant, and I said, there is no way we could keep going on here. Like we can't do it. Like the, the, it was so overwhelming. The, the recovery process was so overwhelming. I just couldn't comprehend to keep going. And I remember Craig saying at the time, we can't sell our cows tomorrow. These are our bread and butter. Luckily, some earlier decisions meant that they had a few eggs left in their basket. Prior to the bushfire, we had weaned calves down to six weeks old because our cows were starting to fall away in condition and we really needed to maintain them as our bread and butter. So we had 80-odd calves in the yards that we had weaned and we were feeding. So that ended up being a strategy which was our saving grace because... There is no doubt that we would have lost those calves during the fire if we hadn't done that and they weren't in close proximity to our infrastructure. So we were so lucky, you know, that we did that because that meant we had a source of income post-bushfire and we were still able to, you know, make an income from that. But after the fire and moving forward, we I just found it so hard to see past that so you know Craig was so level-headed at the time to say that that it just kind of really changed my own perspective on how we we're gonna come out the other side yeah and we, we were fortunate enough the afternoon before the fire I backfilled a little bit of the sides of our sheds and we managed to save our hay shed so we did have a, a shed full of hay still so we were just feeding cattle flat out because there was nothing then we had we were faced with the decision of like so many farmers, we, we were seeing truckload after truckload after truckload, like double deck semis of people that just sold all their cattle. And the cattle prices were terrible. And they were getting a pittance for them. But we, as a whole, we, we saved the majority of our cow herd here. So then we just had to work out what we were going to do because we had virtually no fences. The, the, the cattle could were getting out and just wandering wherever they wanted to. So we had to try to clear the decks a little bit so we could try to get some control back into the infrastructure. And I remember um, a a close friend reaching out to us and saying, look, we'll take your cows, you know, and we'll join them with a bull just to give you a bit of headspace. And we were like, are you sure? Like, we weren't, we were so unsure about people being generous. Like, are you sure you want to take, you know, how many cows? 40 cows are you sure like and he turned around to us and said you need to grab generosity with both hands because this that's the only way you're going to make it out of this and be able to recover so we were so grateful that um a close friend took you know a mob of cows to his property and support us through that that was when the drought broke basically so we were in an amazing if you could call it an amazing position, but we're in an amazing position where we we were halved our stocking capacity and we had a heap of rain. So that that gave us an opportunity then to be able to cut a heap of silage then before we got those cows back to be able to try to reboot our supplies, which was a, a big help. Straight after fire, there was some organisations that were amazing. They basically saved our 
bacon with our cattle and stuff, there was people that were dropping hay and stuff in Camargo within a few days. Like it was crazy how how that worked. And that was and like we'll be forever grateful for those um, like people like Need for Feed and what's the other one? South Coast Rural Relief. South Coast Rural Relief, yeah. They those guys were amazing. But even individuals on their own were super you know, generous. Having managed their way through a long drought, followed by a devastating fire, Tamara and Craig sat down and put together a new strategy. After the 2020 fires and, and drought, we wanted a strategy to be able to have uh, property in two different climates. Kind of sat back and just went, all right, well, what are we going to do about this? Because we've been so heavily impacted that we needed to, you know, diversify and, you know, do something to supplement our income because we'd been impacted. So we put the feelers out and we ended up finding a property at Baldry near Parks in Central West. At that time, we were just starting to come out of drought and we could see the cattle prices starting to increase. And our understanding was adjustment was relatively cheap at the time because no one had cattle, but everyone was starting to get feed. So we took the opportunity to buy in a batch of trade cattle. And at the time, I remember we were thinking that we were outlaying so much money to buy these calves. And and then we, you know, we put them on our adjustment block and we were really fortunate at the time that the market kept going up. So we were able to turn them over, obviously, at a profit. That operation served its purpose to supplement our income as a result of the bushfires. So we were so fortunate that, you know, we watched those markets and were able to I almost forecast a little bit, you know, of the market at the time. But it is definitely a risk because farming is risky, you know, so... Through that process, we've learned that, you know, there are opportunities out there if you're willing to research and monitor things, that there are opportunities out there to try and, you know, get us ahead in our journey to farm ownership. Currently, we're using the property to grow our weaners just to give us a bit more space. So we wean our calves here and then we send them straight out there to grow on. And that's been really beneficial for us to be able to run more cattle here because we're not trying to grow on our heifers, our replacement heifers or or whatever here on this property we can just ship them straight off as soon as they're weaned and give us a bit more space to run a few more cows here. Tamara and Craig had experienced how bad things could get and so they could really see the benefit of having properties in two different climates. It helps with our risk management by diversifying like that, you know, particularly with having two properties in two different climates, you know. For instance, right now we haven't had much rain. We're lacking a bit of pasture growth. So that way we know, you know, by moving our our young stock to our property in Western New South Wales that they're on a totally different pasture growth pattern and that they will be getting the feed to support their growth, you know. So there's definitely those benefits. And I think... A benefit is also building those relationships with those people as well. We're engaging with stock agents or, you know, people in the supply chain that are outside our networks from our home base. So we're building those connections and relationships outside of our area as well, which is only strengthening our networks. That has multiple benefits, like 
because we have more connections out west like you know we, we buy in hay for down here we can't there's certain types of hay that we need for feeding our show and sale cattle that we can't grow here and having those connections out there i can make a phone call and chase around a couple of different people and try to find you know fodder to bring back here and things like that it has a lot of benefits but the as tamara kind of alluded to before the pasture growth cycle here compared to out west are kind of opposite so we're spring summer autumn dominant rainfall whereas out there they're they're more autumn winter spring so their summers are harsh our winters are harsh here and so they're back to front so being able to put uh, stock out there or transfer them back or forward makes a big difference even if they manage to buy their own property Craig and Tamara don't think they'd stop leasing land. We come from pretty humble backgrounds, which means, you know, when we are able to buy a farm, that it's probably not going to be to the scale that we would like. So we'll always have to be looking for those opportunities. Yeah, it's a pretty common practice, but especially for younger people like ourselves that are trying to buy somewhere, you just, if you can't buy somewhere and you still want to do it you just haven't got any choice you just got to adjust or lease yeah yeah i think it's a concept that'll always be a part of our business model always unfortunately things didn't get easier for tamara and craig after the drought and then the fires came covid for people in the cattle business the pandemic shut down an important part of their lives cattle shows typically people would go to farms and look at the cattle to buy them but when COVID hit, we couldn't, our businesses had to keep operating. We still had to buy bulls or cows. And that's where the online sale platforms enabled people and customers to, you know, be able to see those animals, make a visual assessment on them without physically having to go to properties. Farmers like Tamara and Craig moved fast. They set up online sales where people could inspect cattle through photos and video. Yeah, it totally yeah, enabled our business and it gave customers a lot more confidence about buying these animals online. You know, they had to. They had to keep running their businesses through COVID. They had to be able to adapt, you know, get comfortable with it. COVID forced the entire industry online and through doing that, it opened up opportunities for Tamara and Craig to look further afield for their business. Last year, we sold cattle to South Australia, Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales. So it just, and in the past, we have sold cattle to Tasmania as well. So all states, you know, pretty lucky. They also decided to diversify how they sold their cattle. Through the years, we've invested a lot of time and money into our genetics. That's what makes our stock of good quality. That is what drives our business. And at the time we identified you know, particular animals which have had particular high genetic value and we ended up marketing genetics like that. We don't just sell the physical animals. We also have an ability to sell genetic material through semen or embryos. And so we marketed uh, some livestock semen in that way and we are very lucky to be able to have some success through that. Throughout all of this, both Tamara and Craig have managed to keep full-time off-farm jobs. So I work for Big Valley Shire Council. So um, I was a team leader for a long time, uh, running a lot of the construction projects across the Shire, civil construction projects. Uh, Now 
I, my current job is coordinator of road maintenance. And up until recently, Tamara, like Craig, also worked at Bega Valley Shire Council as a town planner. It's quite different, really, to uh, my agriculture, but I really enjoyed the challenges that comes with being a town planner and using a lot of mind and brain capacity, I guess, to carry out the job. And only until recently, you know, I've, I've been in that sector for the best part of 10 years. So I've recently done a bit of a career change and I've now got a job where I'm a senior agriculture advisor. So it's really nice to have a, a job which is my passion and utilises my skills and experiences that, that's come through with my town planning as well. So in between their full-time jobs, raising their kids and managing the business, Tamara and Craig are pretty busy. The way they stay on top of everything is an extremely thorough yearly calendar. I'm very planned and prepared. Because we both have off-farm jobs and we run the farm and we have family, we need to be over our business, you know, understand our business and know what is happening when. So I'm a visual person. I literally have a yearly planner. We map out all the key dates of things that happen in our business and when they have to happen so we know where our gaps are. You know, carving, weaning, joining, drenching, vaccinating, sales. We know when those things happen. They happen the same time every year. So when I map it on a yearly planner, I can see where our gaps are. And I know that, you know, for the two weeks at the end of July, that we don't have a lot happening. Cows might be starting to come towards calving and that we are feeding a lot. That is our downtime basically throughout our year. And normally we would be, you know, go away for a family holiday. Um, This year is a little bit different because I've just sort of changed jobs. But um, that's how we manage that. We know that that is our light at the end of the tunnel. It's amazing what you can do to get through those things when you've got that light at the end of the tunnel. In this season of Propagate, I've been talking to farmers not just about their farms, but also about how they run the business side of things, whether they have insurance, how they run their social media, who does their accounts, and that insurance, well, that's a big one. And for Craig and Tamara, they have had some hard learnings. We have always had insurance, and but the, at the time, you know, Prior to the bushfire, we'd just sort of made our started our own partnership at at the our home base here in Cabago, and so funds were tight, and we did take out insurance, but definitely not to the depth that we needed. We suffered with that because we were underinsured with our cattle. The it's in the fine print that they could actually penalise us and and not give us the full amount because we claimed you know, we lost more than what we were insured for. So they actually penalised us and didn't give us what we were insured for because we were underinsured. So that's in the fine print that we didn't realise and we challenged and uh, we didn't win because that was in the fine print. So it was quite unfair. Um, Yeah, lesson learnt, we changed insurance agency and um, went to a specialised agriculture insurance company and now we're fully covered. Like, I don't miss anything now. It's just not worth the risk. And if you're in a flood-prone area or, you know, you have a 
potential of bushfire risk on crops or whatever it is, I would highly recommend getting as the insurance you need, adequate insurance, because it's just not worth it. If anyone could learn a lesson from that, it's either insure for the full amount or only tell them that you lost what, what you're, you're insured, insured for. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a yeah, that was a hard lesson learnt for us. That that, that's, was... that stung us when we couldn't even. We paid for that insurance. We paid to be insured for that much. And then for them to turn around and say, no, we're not giving you that because you lost more than that, that just doesn't even make like, sense to me. This is our livelihood. This is our business. And they, yeah, like we were impacted, okay? Like we've been impacted and they just, it was, I definitely cried about that. And Tamara and Craig have got some advice for young farmers out there who might be keen on getting their hands on their own piece of land. If you didn't have any farming background, you're going to have to be motivated and driven. There's mm. no doubt about that. And But I know there's definitely people in the beef industry and there's successful people in the beef industry that didn't come from mm. a background in that. And I think probably the way they started and the probably way you'd have to start is make a good relationship with someone that could do with some help showing or or whatever and and start via that and try to create good relationships with people through that and then the progression from there would be probably similar to ours in leasing properties even if you started out small with small blocks and just a handful of cows and people are generally pretty good like if they knew someone was trying to start out that would be supportive if you close off you know an opportunity you don't know what that could eventuate into you might have to go through some hard times or cop a bit of flack to come out the other side but you will grow from opportunity you will learn from an opportunity and you just don't know where that's going to lead you to you also have to get used to the idea of diversifying yeah like don't get us wrong we farming isn't the only and working off farm isn't the only thing like you know we've diversified with a bit of property like housing market type stuff as well you got to try to keep diverse because if one, like, you know, the cattle market's in a slump at the moment. So we know our steers and so on aren't going to make as much at the moment. But if you're diversified into other things, uh, you can have a little bit more of a safety network behind you. It's hard. I won't deny that. But if you have a passion and a drive, you will get there. It will just take time. You need to grab opportunity with both hands and just give anything a go. Thanks to Tamara and Craig Corby for speaking with us and sharing their story in this episode. All episodes of Season 5 of Propagate are out now. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. And on the next episode of Propagate, I personally think the share farming is a better solution for each person. So I share farm your country. I cover all the costs, everything. You just own the place. You kick back. Don't have to worry about it too much. Propagate is a podcast from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries and an initiative by the Young Farmer Business Program.